Hi, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for coming along to Once When I Was Cool, a podcast about, well, I'm Dave, there's we, uh, about what we remember when we were kids. Hello. Hello, we. Sorry, I was going to give you a bit more of an intro than that. So this is just a podcast about uh, us when we were kids, things we remembered, things that aren't around anymore, stuff that we used to like, stuff that we think was cool, stuff that we remember when we were cool. And of course, now we're sort of older, middle-aged, we're parents and we have full-time jobs and we think about superannuation and we think about uh, days off and weekends and how we can pack as much in as the weekend as we can and I guess the main thing about going into middle age is trying to figure out how why your back hurts all the time. That and retirement is what I also think about. <laughs> counting down now. <laughs> counting down the days. Is, counting down the minutes till retirement. Mm-hmm. Not quite there yet. Still got quite a few years to work. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's a very different um, life to when uh, we're talking about through this podcast. You know, we're talking about from our you know, early teens probably to our late teens uh, uh, and and growing up in different worlds to what we're in now, obviously. Um, you down on the uh, upper New South Wales uh, coastline and myself out in um, country Queensland. So two different aspects, two different worlds, but hmm. they did collide. We met each other and and the awesomeness began. All right, that that took a weird turn. I wasn't expecting it to go into our uh, our personal histories and uh, how we met. It sounded like a bit of a dating app, like we're a couple. Well, a couple of somethings, but I'm just trying to um, set it up in, in case people are just joining us now for yes. the first time. Yeah, and if you are joining us so. now for the first time, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining in. Um, this uh, is where well, I think we're into our 49th episode here, so we've got the big episode 50 coming up next week. Uh, we're still ruminating over what we want to do for that. We want to make it a milestone, so we'll see how we go. But we couldn't be where we are today without our producer, Simon, the young buck over there who doesn't... Um, hey, Simon. Hey, Simon. He is, Simon doesn't fit the mould for once when I was killed. He's young and he's energetic and, and he's the he's the magic behind the, the sound of what we've got. He, he makes our mediocre more adequate. The, the thing too, if we're talking about he doesn't fit the mould, he'd be able to stand in just probably half of one of our moulds. <laughs> half of our shadow. Yes. All right. Yeah. So we, let's get on with it. So we, once when I was cool, we used to have Adventure TV where we used to have a group of adventurers, usually men who travel out either around Australia or around the world and film it for our benefit and our pleasure. Yes, totally remember those. I think... For me, that was uh, my first introduction to, you know, a lot of the places around the world that uh, you can go to at a, in a heartbeat really these days mm-hmm. and couldn't do it back then. That was our introduction into wildlife and adventure. Yeah, and the great Adventure, Austra- adventure TV. And the great Australian outdoors. And, uh, you know, we've done a fair bit of travelling uh, through Australia and, and looking at the great country that is Australia. And I guess we really need to go right back to the beginning for where I've, um, from where I remember. And I only vaguely remember this and it was a bit of a kickoff and we're not going to get too much into what became of this guy because uh, I don't think that's the type of podcast that we want to cover. But one of the first shows that I recall was a television show. And funnily enough, I can't find a lot about it these days. And I guess future antics have sort of scrubbed it, scrubbed the good deeds from history. But 
it was a show called Rolf's Walkabout where uh, Rolf Harris went out into nature, you know, picked up animals and, and talked about them, did all sorts of different things. And he had a naturalist with him um, and that naturalist was Harry Butler. Now, have you ever heard the name Harry Butler? Or do you remember Harry Butler? Yeah. Do remember Harry Butler and Harry Butler is a bit of a, well, he is an Australian iconic uh, bushman and adventurer. Um, uh, he's got an OA and a CBE um, and he was a, a naturalist and a, a, a um, environmental consultant. Yeah, and he's one... Yeah, and and he was always on the ABC and it was one of those first shows that I remember and he only ever yep. did something like 26 episodes and they over the course of about five or six years, sort of mid-70s to the early 80s, and he was he was quite the environmentalist. Um, and he did a show called In the Wild where he went out there and he discovered various sorts of um, parts of Australia and different sorts of things and, and really the, the what we call the bush culture going out into the, to the Australian outback and into the Australian bush um, to have a look at what was, what was on out there and really bring it to the attention of, you know, I guess people who weren't as fortunate to be able to go out there. Yeah, and I, I sort of put him and, and Malcolm Douglas sort of in the same type of, have you heard of Malcolm Douglas? I've heard the name. You'll have to refresh me. I can't quite remember who Malcolm Douglas was. I know I know the name. He was a, a documentary filmmaker and he was uh, around in the 80s and 90s. But to me, both of those gentlemen are sort of, to me, like Australian versions of um, David Attenborough. So David Attenborough. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the, they're, to me, the Australian version of them. Um, you know, getting out into the wild and Malcolm Douglas did a lot of those adventures uh, out in his boats and things like that, Mm -hmm. driving to a certain location, getting out in his boats and looking at, you know, Mm. the crocs and all the same same sort Mm. of stuff as Harry Butler, but just a little bit uh, different. He did stuff across, um, you know, did more uh, specific things like around crocodiles. He did the crocodile book, Armoured and Dangerous, uh, Kimberly in Colour, these, these, these are books that he's done. So he not only did he do books, he also did the adventure TV as well. Right, okay. Well, I guess from Harry Butler then, and Harry Butler, um, you know, was one of the, the great icons that was around and sort of fell away. So I'm not sure whether the, the youth of today will have ever heard of Harry Butler. Um, but the next one that I recall from there was the Leyland Brothers and Mike and Mel Leyland who... Oh, yeah. um, you know, they had that that iconic song of travel all over the countryside, ask the Leyland Brothers, and I'm not going to sing that, but you can always look it up if you need yeah, to. Yeah, please don't. And those guys um, started with a film kit because one of them got, uh, or they both got tickets to the London, uh, not the London Olympics, the Melbourne Olympics in 1956, and they got a little camera and took it down and filmed it. And from there, they, they credit that as their... Um, desire to go and become filmmakers and yeah they um they did a lot of documentaries before they did that episode that that tv show and the tv show was called ask the Leyland brothers um do you remember that one yeah it sure do and the songs are iconic everyone was singing the song back in the day yeah and, and so as you said i'm not going to sing it and it was it was good you'd be able to that was one a, a, a an interactive tv show because you'd send in a letter you'd want to ask a question about something nature like in australia or about a particular animal or something like that then you'd send it you'd send it in by 
snail mail, no such thing as emails back then. So you had to go, write it out, put it in the post, and then hope you got picked, your letter got picked. So, mm. you know, it was, it was an interactive TV show, so to speak. Yeah, and it was interesting. The documentaries they did originally, they used to have these two um, four, uh, red four-wheel drive Land Rovers that they sort of travelled everywhere and they had boats and they, they did a lot of treks up and down various iconic sorts of parts of Australia that, you know, probably weren't as iconic then but, you know, really bolstered the imagination. Um, and, of course, then they, when they did the, um, the Ask the Leyland Brothers series, they'd gone from those uh, red Land Rovers into orange combis, and that's probably what they became more known for. Well, not more known for, but known for just as well was these orange combis that they used to sort of take all over the country. Now, I grew up around uh, on the north coast of New South Wales, and I tell you that I cannot see a combi van without thinking it as the scourge of the road because uh, the old combis <laughs> just used to blow black smoke and never go over about 75 k's an hour, and um, they're always bogging up the motorways. But, you know, they were iconic, and I recognise that they are iconic. Um, but, you know... Definitely are. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was sort of part of their bag yeah it was and the beauty with these guys is they did um the adventures as well so they did things like wheels well was mal leyland more than the leyland brothers but wheels across the wilderness a wilderness so driving across the desert and things like but it's looking at if you look at the type of um adventure shows that are out there and then like the four-wheel drive shows that are out there and doing the adventures. These guys were doing this back in the 60s and 70s and 80s even when there was no, you know, Australia was the remote place that it really is and can be. And these guys, if they were stuck out there, they had to sort it out themselves. They do that these days, but they've always got a massive film crew and they've got their extra trucks with them and they've got everything else. These guys were just too, uh, it was a family event essentially because I think the daughter ended up being a cameraman or something Mm. or camera person, I should say. But they did um, the Leyland Brothers Trek About as well. Yep. So not only did they do the Arsalale and Buzz, they did the track about driving around. And, you know, if you have a look at those, and they were probably on video, mm. have listened to some of our other mm. um, podcasts on videos. But, um, you know, these uh, these guys really were, when they're talking about track about an adventure, that was that was them. This is how it is. And it was track about and um, another one called, let me think about it, um, before our Slalom Brothers, off the beaten track, off the beaten track and trick about. They were the ones that really made them. They were the documentaries that they did in their Land Rovers and that's how they got in there. Um, they all sort of came undone though. They were sort of motoring along, went through the, the through the 70s and the 80s pretty well, but then they made a big investment where they put uh, what they uh, called Leyland Brothers World. And it was on the central coast of New South Wales. It's still there these days. It's a yeah. Yeah, but it's not the it's not the amusement park that it was meant to be. It's now just basically a bus and truck stop, um, and it's a, a big um, model of Ayers Rock. In the, on the yes. side of the road on the side of the highway, um, and that was a failed adventure, uh, failed 
venture for them, I guess, because there's nothing around there. It seemed to be misplaced and it wasn't well received, um, which was a shame really because their hearts were in the right place. But, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't sort of do well. And then they came back in the early yeah. 2000s and did the odd documentary here and there. Um, but, unfortunately, Mike died a few years ago now. I'm not sure when that was, but it was yeah. not, not all About that long About 2015, ago. I think. Yeah, right. Um, and so he's died since there, but Mel has since gone on and I think does the odd documentary and things mm-hmm. around there with his daughter um, as yeah. well. So that was the the Leyland Brothers. Um, and and it, it was one of those shows that was on. I, I You know, I can see it for the value of what it is now, but I don't think at the time as a kid I really enjoyed it. I found I thought they were a bit couldn't see why people wanted to uh, to live in the bush, um, why people wanted to go out there. But, you know, it was a pretty iconic sort of show for the time. Oh, look, for me, I my dad loved watching it. Yep. So for me, as we watched it together as a family, so me and my myself and my two brothers and my mum, we'd sit there together and watch it. So for for me, it's quite nostalgic. And I do remember sitting there and watching the shows and things like that. And that was something we did as a family. So it's and, it's a good memory and a, very iconic for me. And I remember we only ever had two TV stations. So it was either that or whatever, whatever was on the other channel. And I don't think that was up to scratch. So this was the one that seemed to be on and gathered around as a family and watched it. So yeah, we did. We did watch yeah. it. Another person who was sort of big around the same time, not so much a TV show, but more of a filmmaker and a document a documentarian, I guess is the word you use, um, was a fellow named Al- Albie Mangles. And he was sort of big around the 70s and 80s. Um, do you remember Albie? Yeah, Albie was a bit of a Tarzan type of character. Yeah, That's how I sort of remember him. Yeah, I, I saw a um, I saw a, a quote that said he was sort of a cross between Paul Hogan. Oh, there's another podcast we could do, which was a cross between Paul Hogan. You're right. I was just hearing some beeping. All right, there you go. Um, a cross between Paul Hogan and um, you know one of those and Tarzan, he sort of adventurer type people. They they said he was you know a good guy. He was always sort of getting around in his little khaki shorts and um, not much else on. He always had a scantily clad, beautiful woman with him, and he was probably more known for his world safari yes. films, where he went around the world and he went around usually on a motorbike. He did do some Australian stuff as well, but World Safari and World Safari Two were probably the ones that he was best known about. And he always had his dog. With him, he had like a little bull terrier sort of thing that was that was with him as well. Um, so he was sort of big in the seventies and eighties, and then just sort of disappeared. And I, I don't know; I know he's still alive, but I'm not sure where he sort of is at the moment. He doesn't tend to do too much anymore. I think he lives yeah. in South Australia or somewhere like that. He did, and you know, he was back in the day. I mean, he was a. Um, you're right. I'm just looking uh, at, just having a bit of a look while we're d- having a talk about him. And he did. He was either had a, a very short pair of shorts on or yeah. a pair of jeans and As- no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so very uh, 70s and 80s and he did have very scantily clad um, Beauties ladies with him. With him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And to, he- me, to me, he was that tar- Australian Tarzan and he's not even an Australian. You know, when I say not Australian, wasn't born here. He was born at... Um, overseas but very he embraced Hmm. i suppose i think he was i think he's dutch but he came here at a young age and interestingly enough he was um booted out at home i think his mother died and his father or his stepfather kicked him out of home and so he's on his own and so he left 
he left wherever he was living on a motorbike with 400 bucks in his pocket and apparently didn't come back for something like 10 or 12 years. And by that time he'd videoed it and, um, and that's what he made the movie. He was gone for something like 10 years and had less than eight hours worth of footage and he turned that into a film. So um, he's obviously had some good times there. And in between all of that, we're getting away from the adventures sort of thing and the adventures were sort yeah. of there. But the next one that I remember in there, and he was around the sort of 80s at the time as well, was the Bush Tucker Man. Yeah, Les Hiddens, mm-hmm. the Bush Tucker Man. He had a, he was, I'm sure he was on the um, ABC as well. Most of these shows were good ABC shows. Yeah, so he um, he, he has done... A lot of the, he's probably the pre-Steve Irwin, and I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit later. But oh, he's oh yes, the, he's a bit of a cross between Steve Irwin and Bear Grylls. You know, he'd be out and you'd be out in the bush, and he'd be walking up to a tree and going, you know, you can have a meal out of this tree and start pulling the tree apart, and you'd be eating, eating. Uh, the roots from a tree, the bark from a tree, a couple of rodents that he'd found or their scat. Um, yeah. Always um, weird people you know, who enjoy um, enjoy figuring out what animals are around um, depending on their scat. And yes. it's, it's look, each to their own and there's value in it, I'm sure. It's just never something that's really appealed to me. But I, I remember the um, Bush Tucker Man I remember him being around. I don't remember that I ever actually watched any of his shows or anything like that because I was never interested in foraging for food. I was always happy to go down to the local takeaway or something like that. And you look like you haven't foraged for food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look like I find <laughs> if I forage for food, I found it well, I tell you. Yes, yes, but, you know. You definitely beat anorexia, mate. Yeah, mate, and, uh, yeah, I did, <laughs> and. But mate, so did I. Pot, yeah, so I was going to say, mate, hello, pot. This is the kettle. Um, looking at what I'm looking at at the moment, so I'm just glad you pulled that blanket up. So, yeah, so the Bush Tucker man, and he he's another iconic Australian figure that seems to just not be around anymore. Harry Butler, um, the Leyland brothers, Albie Mangles, um, the Bush Tucker man. You know, they're always these iconic type of people, um, and they. Just yeah, they're just not there anymore, and we've got so many people that can travel so far as much as they like in their in their well-oiled four-wheel drives now. And there's always a fuel stop within a tank's tank's range of distance, so you don't have to worry about not having fuel or getting fuel drops or taking eighteen jerry cans of fuel to be able to get there. Um, unless you unless you're me in a Suzuki Jimny. <laughs> so yes, yes. So well. the, um, or at least you're in the, the outback. I was in the outback, mate. The other, uh, I think, the other point on that is these guys probably only had the exposure to what they were on, so they only had the exposure of the ABC. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have, you know, the world at their fingertips. They sold did, this in did, Australia. Yeah, didn't have you know. YouTube and in, and YouTube and social media that's made everyone stars these days. So you've really got to admire them for that. But then moving on from there, um, you know. Can I, can I just say, sorry. Yeah, no. Can I just say, that goes to show the quality of what they did back in the day because it had to stand on, they had to stand on their own laurels. They had to actually not have a, a commer- big commercial lot of 
um, cohort behind them. Mm. They did this on their own. And most of these guys did it on their own, filmed it themselves, mm. probably produced it themselves and then just got it out there. Yep. Whereas these days you've got, um, you know, a hairstylist, a makeup artist and everything like that. These mm. people were in the, the raw yeah. in terms of how they were and how you've they got, did their shows. you got four support vehicles for your one video shoot you you want a car on a video shoot yeah so look you touched on it before and um i guess probably the one that's really most common and most current in mind was steve Irwin. um now i'm going to say here that i won't ever hear a bad word said about steve Irwin. i think he's one of the greatest iconic australians around really lived and breathed um conservatism and I know that there's been some critics and those type of people. We're not going to get into that here, but as an entertainer and somebody who really brought the bush to, you know, the population and to the, the masses, to the world, yeah, and really, yeah. Uh, yeah, really brought Australian back. culture here for someone who really loved it. Um, you know, Steve Irwin was the man. Yes, yes, he was. Um, uh, he he was, I think, not only just an I. Con for Australia, he was an Australian um, icon in the sense of I think that's how everyone saw us here after he was out there, that we all got around and were really excited. And come on, tell me who hasn't done a Steve Irwin impersonation when they've seen, um, you know, a lizard or something like that or a crocodile. And, I mean, whether it's an impersonation, you're taking the mickey or anything like that, it's because, you know, you've got to have a, a, a bit of respect there for him of what he's done and what he's brought um, out. And just the legacy he's brought out and projected out about Australia. So I know he's done a lot of stuff around the world, but, you know. Have you ever got... Go and, go and try swimming with your clothes on like he's done. You know, he'd go swimming in his car keys. Try doing that. It's it's a killer. Well, go and have a look. Either, if you ever get the chance to go to Australia Zoo, um, you know, that's what the zoo that um, Steve Irwin set up on the Sunshine Coast. Or if you're ever around doing a crocodile tour, whether in the Northern Territory or Northern Queensland or, or Western Australia, wherever they are there, just go and have a look at some of the small saltwater crocs that he wrestles and some of the videos that you see of him sticking his hand straight down a hole that he knows there's some sort of poisonous snake or some other horrible creature in there. And he's just so jazzed and so enthusiastic. And now I don't know if he had to g himself up beforehand or if he had to jump around or do whatever to get himself revved up for it but he's doing this and he's doing it for real and he's sticking his hand down there pulling out these venomous snakes and you know some of them were tiger snakes and um uh you know brown snakes and what are the ones in the desert taipans and those sorts of things just taipans yeah just ridiculous but we um I, i went on a you know did the tourist thing as you do in the northern territory and um these crocodiles that are in the wild up there are just phenomenal their their heads alone are enormous um and just to think that this guy would get in and wrestle them down and relocate them, not to kill them, not to conquer them, but to actually care about them and to move them around. Um, a special kind of guy. Um, but the controversy that came about it is he's got two kids, um, Bindi and is that one called Bob? Robert. Bob. Yeah. Um, if you ever yeah. get the chance to have a look at his, um, there's a the, he used to he goes on Jimmy Fallon fairly fairly frequently, and there's one where he's there with. Um, Bob, uh, I think. No, yeah, Bob is on. No, no, no. Bob is on Jimmy Fallon with um, Kevin Hart, 
and Jimmy Fallon, and he's bringing yeah. out all these. It's hilarious, and Bob is just yes. very amusing. Um, but Bob is a baby. I don't know if you remember this, but Steve yeah. Irwin got yeah. in trouble because Bob was only about six months old, and he had him under his arm, and he was feeding a crocodile named Murray. And there was a lot of conjecture, and he got he ended up having to go on television and apologise for what he did, what he'd done. But I would say that there is no safer pair of hands for that kid than Steve Irwin, who knew that crocodile and knew how they would react and knew what he was doing well. Um, and the media sort of blew it all up. So that was a bit of a shame. But, you know, that was one of the one of the highlights as well, that he wanted to get his kids involved early on. Um, and his kids have gone on to do some pretty well, look impressive at them things. Now. Yeah, yeah, they're doing some fairly impressive things off their own. You know, I know they've had their, their head, head start and all, but, yeah, doing pretty they, well. They, the, the, they're continuing on, um, you know, his legacy. Let's put it that way. You know, there's um, not too many people that can say their their children are following on in their footsteps and doing their legacy as what he was as what he was doing for uh, conservation and and animals and the, and hmm. the, the environment. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, Steve Irwin gone too soon, as far as I'm concerned. So I guess then when we're moving on from there, there's probably one more great Bushman that we're going to cover. Probably a more modern one. Um, probably a lot of our overseas listeners won't have heard of this gentleman. Um, but this guy is a combination of everybody we've uh, spoken of. He's, uh, you know, he's been an artist. Um, he's been a naturalist. He's been an adventurer. Um, he's wrangled animals. He's, he's, you know, he's used uh, various uh, weapons and survival techniques. And that is a gentleman named Russell Coit from All Aussie Adventures. Are you familiar with Russell Coit? Russell Coit, I am a massive fan of Russell Coit. Um, I think, you know, we were talking about Steve Irwin being the iconic Australian. Well, Russell's not too far behind that. Um, I think uh, as a as an Australian, uh, get on and Google Russell Coit, um, All Australian Adventures. Have a bit of a look. Um, you know, it's 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 something that's out of this world. You know. At the end of the day, this uh, Russell is uh, an adventurer who it's it's a bit of a spin-off. Let's just put it out there for those listeners who probably can't get to do it. it it's a comedy take on all of our adventure um, people yeah. that we've talked about. It's a it's a real parody of it, but it's not done nastily. It's a parody of all these people, and the joke is on Russell himself. It's 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 just fantastic it's comedy. It, you learn a little bit about it, whether that's intentional or not. You learn a bit about the Australian outback and what goes on. Um, it's well worth your while. But you know, you can't have an or you can't talk about adventure television without mentioning Russell Coit. Oh no, he's uh, he's been around for quite a while. Uh, yeah, you can uh, download his um, shows, and I think he's on Netflix. I think there's a couple of. Netflix. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Oh, I think there might be the, some, all Aussie adventures. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's it's worth a look. Yeah, if you great, if you got access to YouTube show. and you want to have a giggle, make yourself feel better. Have a look at Russell Coit. Uh, you know, really pays homage to some of these uh, great adventurers. Well, we that's sort of all I've got. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I know that we touched briefly on um, a lot of the Australian icons here, and I think um, I think with Malcolm Douglas, I, you know, I did mention him briefly. I think he is someone who, you know, uh, he was a, like a professional crocodile hunter and and a farmer as well, and um, 
you know, I think he was more around uh, the crocodile side of things and their preservation. I think um, he actually used to do the adventure stuff as well quite well and he'd do a lot of them. A lot of his stuff was iconic because he'd go out in the boats and then come back in um, on the on the land, do a lot of beach stuff and he'd do a bit of cooking. So it was an all-round show that he'd do. He'd do a bit of cooking out there. So how to cook in a... Um, uh, God, I can't even think of, of the... What's the big pots that we cook in when we're out camping? Camp, Camp ovens. Camp ovens. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, talking about... Um, so he was quite a... He was a documentary maker as well. So mm. I think, um, you know, we did touch on him briefly, but I think he was one that was synonymous with crocodiles, that, mm. Um, mm. you know, that did a lot of crocodile stuff. And a little of a bit of a variation because Australia's not just all crocodiles. We've got um, not only have we got in our rivers and creeks and streams do we have them, but we also have um, big killing machines in the water as well in the way of sharks. And probably the only oh, other yeah. one I would want to mention was probably Ron and Valerie Taylor who were responsible yeah, for some of the correct. most amazing footage and um, study of sharks around and that you know they did all the underwater live footage for jaws and those types of movies but uh yeah that's probably one of the other sets of adventurers that we'd want that we'd probably want to mention but there weren't too much in the way of tv series and documentaries and things that they did and they didn't really growing up surfing you just didn't like to look at those sorts of things because you didn't want to remind yourself of what was out there so they did i still think i'm going to be eaten by a shark at some (laughs) stage Yes. So Ron and Valerie Taylor were probably the only other ones that we would sort of mention. Well worth a look as well. All right. We- well, their work is their work is massive in terms of, um, like you said, the footage, even down to the all the nature shows around the world, mm-hmm. not just in Australia. I'm talking worldwide. I'm talking about a lot of those documentaries on sharks. You'll still see their names at the end on the trailers. Yeah. Uh, footage yeah. from those guys. Yeah, so, a lot of research yeah, they, they contributed to. Yeah. 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 Well. Sorry. Shout, shout yeah. up. All right. <laughs> if you want to find us, thanks. For, well, thanks for listening in. If you want to uh, give us some feedback, once was cool podcast at gmail.com. All our old episodes are on your usual podcast hosting platforms uh, or at uh, oncewascool.com is our website. Um, we thanks very much. No worries, Dave. Thank you. And thank you to producer Simon getting thank us out there to your earballs. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening in and we'll catch up with you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.